Hello, and welcome to our weekly podcast of Who's Here in the Hamptons. I'm Dan Retiner, your host, broadcasting from my home in the Hamptons, where I have lived for over 55 years. I've written a dozen books about this glorious place, and I've seen it grow through the years from small tourist towns, quaint fishing villages, and a summer playground for high society, to what it is today, a world-class resort for celebrities, artists, musicians, authors, and billionaires. In my podcast, I will bring you interviews with not only these people, but also prominent local people who have helped shape the Hamptons. Welcome to Dan's Talks. My guest today is Pierre Weber, who is uh, the legendary owner of Pierre's Restaurant in Bridgehampton, uh, a town which at one point had, uh, I think, a French market, a French store with French wines, and Pierre was like threatening to become Paris in the Hamptons. But then everything moved away except Pierre's restaurant and his Peugeot, which sat in front of his restaurant and haven't seen it around lately. Is it out of commission? It, it was uh, it was a Citroën, not a yeah. Peugeot, Citroën. I meant Citroën. And uh, I sold it. It was uh, too, uh, too dangerous to drive around in that little car. Yeah. I was I was amazed nobody drove off with it. You had it out there for about eight or ten years. You'd I guess arrive in the morning and park it somewhere nearby. And everybody knew I was at work. <laughs> this is <a> great car. <laughs> where where tell me a little bit about uh where you were born and how you came to come here if you were born abroad? I was I was born in Paris. And my parents, they had a bakery in Paris. And of course, I was supposed to take over. Yeah, it was a kind of a mom and pop operation. You know, mother is upstairs selling pastries, daddy is downstairs making chocolate, like in the song. <laughs> but you know, that worked very well for them during the thirty glorious years after the war. But they they thought it would work for me too, and I had to get married. Imagine, so. Uh, I tried. <laughs> I tried a bit, but it was going nowhere. So I decided to come to United States. I knew New York. I was running marathon in New York, and uh, I decided to stay. You were running what in New York? Marathon. Oh, marathons. Yeah. I got to see the whole city in one day there. In in one day, in two hours, in 54 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> was that the only marathon you ran or more? Oh, no, I did I did many marathons. I did a few in New York. I did uh, London. I did Berlin, Paris many times. Oh, wonderful. These days I'm over. <laughs> how, did, how did you come to uh, decide to do a restaurant in the Hamptons? Oh, I'm going to give you the short version. I was 20 years in, uh, in uh, New York. Yep. And I was doing wholesale pastries uh, over there. And and then I decided to let go of everything. I took one year of vacation. And I heard about this restaurant. And I decided to take over. What was... And, uh, and the rest is a history, as they say. Yeah. Was, was it Billy's Triple Crown Bar when you took it over? Yes. <laughs> no, it was not Billy's Triple Crown. It was... Uh, 
a kind of restaurant nightclub that was closing after Labor Day, reopening on Memorial Day. Yeah. So it took me a while to put the restaurant on the map. Well, when how did when you were in New York, what did you do uh, before you opened the restaurant here? What were you in a restaurant then? Uh, no, I never had a restaurant before. That's that would be interesting because people say restaurants are tough. You, you know, they want to. So I should have how, known better. How did you feel you were trained enough to uh, be able to do that? Well, I was lucky enough to do uh, a hotel school in Paris. And in a hotel school, you know, you learn cooking, you learn service, you learn management. And for three years, I went to that school. So for me, it was nothing really new. For food. Uh, it was just hard work for many years before the finally the restaurant was recognized over here. So when you were in New York, what work did you do? I was doing wholesale pastries for hotels and restaurants. I see. I was selling to Bloomingdale, Balducci, Grace's Marketplace. So you knew you knew that you were involved with all this business there. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. It was fun. I loved it. <laughs> I, I have an odd question of. I have a son who is uh, an avid fisherman, and he fishes in the bay and off the pier at uh, uh, Sag Harbor, and he catches a fish. And is there any way he can give a fish to any charitable organization or a food pantry or anything? or a rest I know he doesn't have a license, so he has it in a bucket, maybe some ice. What does he do besides take it home? He takes it home and he has a nice fish. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we'll find some other way to do it too. I just thought it was... I, a... I, I'm not allowed as a restaurant to buy off the street. No, you don't. No, I, I have to buy from a yeah. licensed uh, right. distributor. So um, has the menu changed at all over all these years? It's, um... Yes. Tell tell me about, I rem, I remember the pastry was next door for a while. What tell how how did it evolve over the years? How long has it been here? Like twenty years now, more. I opened in two thousand two, so that makes it twenty one years. Yeah. Yeah. So recently, because I kept all the menus, recently I went through the menus uh, through the years. And there is some items that I had on the menu that I don't do any longer, but I'm going to bring them back. Like so the what? menu changes very often. We just started something uh, with, we have now a monthly uh, special. So today is December 1st, and we have a new uh, December um, uh, special. In, in addition to the old year of the specials and a regular menu, et cetera. What are you going to bring back that you haven't done in a long time? Uh, sea scallops, uh, the pot au feu I will bring back, the beef bourguignon. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, my... it is a nice winter dish. Yep. And soon we're going to have also the, the brandade, you know, pretty winter yeah, uh, winter dishes that warm you up. And uh, you have you have uh, 
a big, a wonderful display out front of, uh, from, I guess the pandemic brought it out. It's quite a, a scene some, some days uh, uh, out, on, uh, out there. And rather wonderful, you're on the north side of the street, so the sun shines bright on the restaurant. And yeah, you've, I'm also, lucky. you've also had uh, entertainment from time to time. Do you still do that? Yes, we do that every Tuesday night. We have live jazz, and uh, we have a rotation of uh, uh, artists and players that come. And, and we have uh, some regulars that just want to listen to it on a Tuesday night. And uh, it gives them an opportunity to get out of their house and in a good atmosphere to 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 have a dinner. Who are, are there any people you would mention that really come there often that people know? Yeah, they sit at the bar. You want names? Sure. <laughs> no, I can't tell your names. <laughs> or, or at the table. I mean, people. I'm sure there are plenty. Yeah, there is. It depends. Uh, it really depends. It's, yeah. But I'm very happy to have this crowd over. Yeah, you should. Should be. Yeah. And where do you, do you, uh, you I know you have um, upstairs, there's a, a living space, I think. It is. Well, it, it used to be a kind of lounge, mm. but COVID killed it. Yeah. Yeah, people didn't want to be on top of each other anymore. Yeah. So now we use it as a restaurant. We have some tables and we have private parties up there. The staff is, uh, I would say, if there's 100 restaurants in the Hamptons, the uh, staff is, as far as being attractive and friendly goes, like you're like first. You've just a wonderful beautiful staff how do they live where do they where do they live in the hamptons do you know or do you take help with them you help many them? Uh, many live in uh in hampton bays and they come every day and uh, i'm very happy that they make a living and that's you know they have the dignity to have a job that is important that's my job Yes. To give them that access to the dignity to have a job. So um, many of them are from Europe. Some yeah. of them, some of them, yes. They, they feel comfortable in this uh, European uh, atmosphere where everything is different. Yeah. Tell me about the, the, uh, the Citroën. Is that the one? I can't remember. I mentioned earlier I thought it was the Peugeot, but it wasn't. I, when I was li living in France, I had a Peugeot. Yeah. And that's, I guess, why it had a, a little roof. It was a little tiny car. But the Citroën, as I recall, doesn't it, didn't it have the, uh, uh, no, it's, what, what was it? Was a, Maybe it was, was a car that when you like stood on the bumper, it would uh, go down? Yeah. Was it the oh, that's the DS. Yeah. The, the DS, yes. It is with the hydraulic, uh, yes. the hydraulic yeah. system. Yeah, that, that's was the next uh, generations. But uh, the, the, you had the deux chevaux. Yeah, deux chevaux. And that car was deux chevaux is two two horses. Yeah, correct? two horses. <laughs> you're not. You're not gonna. I know it was kind of a real 
crappy cheap car when it was first built. And of course, now they're so rare, they're so valuable. But it was a survivor. And uh, why did they call it that? The Deschevaux? Yeah. Because it has two horsepower. No, it couldn't yes. possibly just have two horsepower. How, it couldn't go very fast if it had just two. Well, they were not. It depends on the pitch, you know. <laughs> oh. could, it, could it go? It's a car that had no heat. Even at the cigarette lighter, they had nothing. You could put, put a radio in there. Yes. Because they had just a battery for this uh, two horsepower car. Really? It was. And in so, the winter, going to work, yeah. you had no heat. So yeah. I had to cover myself and, you know, bend it up. Yeah. It was just like uh, riding outside in the, uh, in the snow. <laughs> it was fun, though. I loved it. Yeah, I'm surprised you sold it. It was, like I said, I, I have a little Triumph TR3 from 59. Yes. And uh, I prefer to leave it out on the street because I figured somebody would drive off that it would be easily found. I mean, the car is 60 years old, but they're wonderful old European cars. And that that was the strangest automobile that was made ever, I think, except Back then, yeah. Well, there was the Yugo, I remember, was sort of a horrible car. But you kept it up all, all this time. Yeah, I maintained it. I was using it for years. Yeah. I had a few. I had a blue one. I had a trucket, red. And then I had a yellow one. Yeah, right. Now that I think about it, yes. What do you like to do in the Hamptons when you're off on a day? Do you take any days off? <laughs> you're all there. I wish. I, well, I go to Manhattan, you know, so that's what I do. I go to Manhattan for some fresh air. I see. What do you like well, to do? I, every day I walk my dog on the beach oh. and it's 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 wonderful. We are so privileged to be able to do that. It's wonderful. And then my day changes, you know. It's it's I approach my day differently after I see the ocean. Just yeah. come to work and it's not work anymore, it's just being here. Yes, I know. A lot of people tell me that, and it's true for me as well. I live on a busy harbor, which is, uh, it, it's always, it reminded me of a, a town just uh, to the east of Marseille. Uh, what's that town there? Uh, the East Cannes? Cassis. Cassis, yes, of course. Yeah, that's what the harbor reminded me of. And yeah. So I, I love it. I, I just love it too. One of the great things people around here, I think, enjoy are the sunrises, uh, particularly in the winter. Do you yeah. ever get out that early? It's uh, over here? Yeah. You know, I have a son. He's, he's uh, three years old. I didn't know. <laughs> he's three years old. You know, you want to know about waking up at 5.30, 6 a.m.? <laughs> so your son gets you to the sunrise, too. Oh, Yeah. Oh. Yeah, he has no mercy. That's wonderful. Yeah, it's my joy. For me, it is uh, it's a humbling experience to run a restaurant. It's wonderful. I mean, I've been meeting wonderful people uh, in these uh, 20 years. And nothing, I, I never take, took anything for granted. 
You know, the uh, I bought this restaurant. I opened it in May 2002. May 2002. Do you know how many covers I did on July 4th of 2002? I mean, July 4th. It was a Saturday. How many? Yeah. That would have been a large number, that even in your first year. Zero. Nobody came. Zero. <laughs> I will never forget that because ah. it was the most humbling experience. And that tells me that, uh, as my father used to say, when the, the day you think you're up there, you're already on the way down. That That's very true. But then you found advertising in Dan's papers. And I think that was made your whole restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> that was magic. My life changed. That's right. <laughs> and and Bridgehampton has changed even in these 20 years. Um, Absolutely. Uh, the center of town is now beautiful instead of filled with gas stations, for example. Oh, that's right. It changed a lot. It and, took them a while, though, to change the uh, that yeah. building. But yeah. it's a nice, a beautiful building. Yeah. You have across the street, you have the Topping Rose and Almond came over and... Uh, and it's a, and the other side of the town also. It's a, it, there is some vibrant restaurant that do attract people in the town. It is. It's become. My dad, when we first moved out here, he said, "If you want to be in the Hamptons, you can be in East Hampton and South Hampton. But if you want to get away from it all, you can be in Bridgehampton. You're in the center. You're in the center of everything." <laughs> It was all farms, but now it's what it is. And uh, uh, thank you for being on the podcast. And uh, thank you, Dan. I will see you there. I will be here. No worry. Okay. Bye bye. Have a happy holiday. You too. Bye bye.